0: Good morning, or excuse me, <laughs> I said good morning, that was wrong. Or is it morning time someplace out there in outer space? Maybe there's a planet where the sun never fucking goes down. Maybe there's a world without sleep and nobody dreams. Someplace out beyond the perimeter, someplace in Sector 33. It's not morning, it's not the afternoon, it's not the darkness, it's not the eternal sun. It's almost 7 p.m., Mountain Standard Time, east of Boblimtok, about 25 miles, baby. It's almost 7 p.m. on Thursday. Thursday, June the 16th, 2022. And I inadvertently said good morning, but then I thought maybe I should say good evening, and then I thought maybe I should say good luck because I don't know what else to tell you. Um, I got done watching a movie, a movie this afternoon. I'm getting ready to start my new job. So i have been doing paperwork, and then I decided to watch a movie. And I probably should have been working on rad engineering projects, but I'm a scumbag. I'm kidding. Am I? I watched a movie called Miss 45. And um, the film came out in 1981. I think Zoe Lund... I believe that's her name, plays the main character Thana. She's mute. She works in the f- the fashion clothing district, you know, the yeah, where they make clothes and crap in New York City, where there's all those models and, you know, designers and everything else and it's all whatever. And the film starts out with her coming home from work and being assaulted. And she's assaulted once in an alley uh, at gunpoint. And she's assaulted when she gets home. And before I continue, I can recommend the film. I liked it. I mean, there's other films in this genre, like I Spit on Your Grave, and I mean the original. But there are other films like this. Um, the, the the film Hostel, that came out, I think, in 2005 or um that also fits sort of into the same category where the exploited becomes um, the revenger, if you want to call it that, the person that seeks revenge. But the reality is a lot of this revenge leaves you unsatisfied. Um, in the case of Miss 45, she gets assaulted. The, the second person that assaults her, you know, is killed in her apartment, and the 45 caliber pistol, is left behind. And I don't want to give away the whole movie because, listen, I think it's worth watching and you don't need a lot of spoiler alerts. But I wouldn't mind putting it into a cultural context, if that's okay. A couple things. Number one, in this film, the woman is an out-of-control vigilante. If you've ever seen the Death Wish films, you, you may not think it's okay to go hunt for muggers and killers. But pretty much, everybody this guy kills, everybody Charles Bronson, that cursey guy, whatever, Kershi, everybody he kills, according to the narrative, according to the film, is some, you know, mugger, killer, rapist-type scumbag, and nobody's going to miss them. And at first, in Miss 45, it starts out like that. You know, she more or less um, is mostly killing people who probably, you know, were gonna rape somebody. The problem is is that it goes downhill rather quickly and it ends up becoming a kind of preemptive attack on on men in general, which again, I don't hold against the the protagonist, I don't hold it against Thana, you know, she's mute, she's in the city, she was abused, she has PTSD and she has no way to talk about it. In fact, you could say the pistol was her voice, and in, in that sense, is a gr- it's a great film. I mean, if you understand the undercurrent of how a pistol can be the final means of communication, it's kind of like the teeth, you know, on your dog. The dog can growl and the dog can bark, but the final form of communication is that teeth sinking into you, reminding you to not touch their cheese, right, boomer? Not your cheese. He's actually doing a lot better, which is good news. It's pretty good news. This dog's a Sharpay, and he has food aggression issues, but his owners are doing a pretty good job of helping him with that, and um, he's getting better. But the fact is, for the dog, for any dog, the final form of communication is the bite. And if it comes down to it, it can be a pretty vicious bite. For the main character in Miss 45, In a lot of ways, because she is a mute, because people are expecting her to take some very complex emotions and just dump them, unpack them, how do you do that with a little piece of paper? How do you do that just by scribbling? I mean, you can scribble and have great penmanship, but it's not the same thing. And people really don't understand when they read it. Like, they don't understand how the words represent pain. There's something about the spoken voice that's very different than the text. It's not to say the word is bad when it's written down. It's to say that the full communication experience is not there. And the great thing about that pistol, that 45 caliber Colt 45 automatic pistol, is that it had a voice. It could communicate. It could let somebody know to stop. The thing I don't like about the movie, and, and it's why I think you can like it anyways, is that the vigilante is out of control. Whereas in a lot of ways, it would have been better. This film would have been a better film if at one point it simply wasn't indiscriminate. I mean, of course, I think she spares the dog at the end, the little puppy, and I just gave that away. But the point is, um, there's there's characters in the storyline who might be crappy people. But that doesn't mean they deserve to die. There are characters in the storyline that might be a little bit misogynistic, but that's not a reason to kill somebody. Um, And what's really interesting is that it's a woman at a Halloween party, and I will just give this away, who finally takes her out. So anyways, I probably just gave away the whole movie. But it's an old movie, if you haven't seen it. It's called Miss 45. It came out in 1981. Bo Blimp talk, and in some ways, it's a great film to see right about now. I and if I have any, you know, women listeners, which I don't think I do. <laughs> and and listen, I don't care. It's not that I say I want or don't want. It's more like I don't get obsessed with the demographic distribution of of my listeners. I think there are people out there of many different kinds of representative genders and races and religious beliefs and many of them may listen to my my podcast simply for the purpose of making fun of it and that's okay too you know everybody's got a kink mine is spanking nuns because I was spanked it's not complicated I mean if you were bare bottom spanked as a catholic boy and the nuns did the work Maybe you'll end up thinking that way. And probably you'll end up a Protestant. I don't know. (laughs) A Protestant, and I, I will say that you know, I don't think that the the writer, the screenwriter for this for this movie, the director, I don't think any of these folks had an agenda necessarily with respect to the battle of the sexes. But I do find that I am more attracted to a vigilante that shows some discretion. In this case, we're not really talking about a vigilante. We're talking about a woman that was violently assaulted, has PTSD, which means temporarily, like a man or a woman can be if they're assaulted, and there are many forms of assault, I can testify to that. You're talking about somebody with PTSD that has no way to process it, nobody to talk to, a crazy neighbor that does the opposite of anything that would be helpful and a bunch of people at work that try to understand but don't understand. And so I'd leave it at that. The story of Miss 45 is the story of having and finding your voice through a pistol, like that's where it is. Next topic. So I was reading an article on Zero Hedge today and it dealt with wealth destruction and, I, and I, I have a link in the notes if you want to read it. It's one of these forms of dreck that you really kind of have to just see through because it's sort of related to the inflation narrative. The inflation narrative, oh my God. Here's the thing about inflation. Before I talk about wealth destruction, quote unquote, let's talk about inflation. Inflation is meaningful if there is something to buy. Inflation becomes an abstract form of nonsense When there is little or nothing to buy. There are a lot of people looking at the situation and I think it's wishful thinking and they're seeing it through the lens of stagflation and hyperinflation and other kinds of inflation. But you kind of have to be Paul Krugman at this point to believe that you can simply print money and make things appear. You can't, okay? If you're expecting the classic crack-up boom, you need crackers to get there. And if there aren't any crackers, you end up at the boom. There's no, there's no crack-up part. It's just boom. In fact, let me reconstruct this for you since you live in a fucking neo-Stalinist hellhole. The crack-up boom portion of this story probably started under Greenspan for the most part, under Greenspan, Alan Greenspan. But if you really want to be precise, it was when Nixon closed the gold window. And you could no longer convert U.S. currency to gold, which you may not think is a big deal, but it was a big deal. And it was probably one of the most significant inflationary events in modern economic history as it applies to America. Very few people would admit it. Yeah, 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 we used China as an inflation dump. We figured out how we could take advantage of the Chinese communists and how they could take advantage of the Chinese people to dump inflation. And we did that for 40 fucking years, but it's over. It's over. I don't even know if the Chai control all of China at this point. All I know is our government and the deep state have a history of covering for those piece of shit communists. And I don't mean the Chinese people. I mean the fucking government there. So, we don't really know what's going on. If you want to believe that they're shutting down cities left and right because the monkey herpes is still coming after them, fine. But if you're one of these motherfuckers who is saying China did it the right way back in 2020, fuck you and your impossible brain complex. The fact that you need contradictions to exist, fuck you. You're a paradox. Pick, pick something. Pick a fucking lane. Were the Chinese geniuses with the monkey herpes, or are they fucking stupid? And it really is that fucking simple at this point. Alright? Wealth destruction is meaningful in the following context. I have a, a house. I have a home outside of Damascus. A United States drone comes by and hits me with a Hellfire missile and wipes out my home, and kills my kids, and burns my wife up. She's dead too. That's not just the destruction of human life. That's an actual piece of property turned into a smoking fucking crater. That is wealth destruction. But all those little ones and zeros of bullshit that some of you motherfuckers took advantage of, whether it was with your crypto or your house flipping or other types of stock schemes, that was never wealth in the first place. Never. It didn't exist. The fact that you have to come to the realization that there was nothing there is your problem. It's your process. It's what you're going through right now to try to understand the world. But if you're a house flipper and you thought your home was worth a million bucks and in a few months, maybe it'll be worth 10 million and 10 million might buy you a turkey roast. Or it's going to end up just not being bid, which means the price will be zero. If you're going to complain to me, understand this motherfucker. There was never wealth there in the first place. You participated in a pyramid scheme brought to you by the U.S. government, Fanny and Freddie, fuck you. So if you come back to me and say, Dan, all my wealth was destroyed... No, I'm not gonna cry for you. I'm not gonna cry for you, Argentina. Grow the fuck up. If you're some crypto dipshit who spent the last fucking decade telling me how decoupled, decoupled, completely separate from the monetary system your bullshit is, and then you come back and complain to me that your crypto's cratered, and God forbid you're big enough of a dumbass to ask for a bailout, fuck you. There was nothing there to begin with. Just because you wasted your time and your resources for a decade, I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you made a bunch of money. I don't care if you made zero. I don't care to make money off of a grift. I don't. If I wanted to make money off of a grift, I would still be working in the healthcare system. Okay? I I would still be working at fucking hospitals, pulling down maybe even more than six figures at this point. If I wanted to participate in a human, you know, fuckeroo. So fuck you. Okay, motherfucker crypto freaks and house flippers. There was no money there to begin with. Oh, I invested in the stock market. I did the safe dollar cost averaging. I have a pension fund called CalPERS. Fuck you. CalPERS invested a ton of money in unicorn bullshit in the last 10-15 years. CalPERS participated deeply in the fucking grift. Okay? You're worried about wealth destruction, and I keep telling you this, but you're not fucking listening. There was nothing earned. Nothing worked for there in the first place. You got a city in Iraq that gets leveled to dust with layers of depleted uranium added to it, that's wealth destruction, okay? If a cop pulls you over and you have a couple gold bars in your car and maybe some cash and the cop takes it without justification, that's wealth destruction. When the government passes a law, which means really the American people pick their bullies to enforce a new law, and they go and take somebody's wealth by force, That is wealth destruction. Pretty much all the Department of Defense does is wealth destruction every fucking day of the week. But if you lost money in the stock market, that wasn't wealth destruction, dude. That was just called reality. There was nothing there in the first place. The fact that you believed there was something there is your problem. If you'd understood it was a grift, you would have done what grifters do. They convert it to a hard asset as soon as possible. Or just cash. As long as cash still works, fucker. And cash still works. In fact, I don't like the Federal Reserve, but cash works way better than Bitcoin. If I want to do a private transaction that never ends up on any motherfucking ledger, cash works great. And fuck you. So I'm going to go to the next topic. Um, Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Baffle them with bullshit. Nope. Overload them with truth. The truth is usually more interesting. Dr. Freckles. So a lot of folks are are talking about the January 6th hearings and the Hunter Biden crap and all this other nonsense. And one of the questions you may be asking yourself is how do you know what's true? Like these shootings. Maybe they're all true. Maybe all these mass shootings are really happening. Maybe they're bullshit. I can't tell you, okay? I can't verify it one way or another. I can tell you that I was in Seattle during chopia and I took video, so I can testify that was government sponsored bullshit and I can testify that I went by Harborview Medical Center and by the other hospitals in my area and I saw the construction increase in Seattle during the monkey herpes pandemic so I can tell you that was bullshit too, at least as far as Seattle was concerned and probably as far as everywhere else. I've had a few people report bad experiences with the vaccine But I do not know anyone yet that's actually died from the vaccine. And if this thing was intended to kill a buttload of people, you know, the Gauss curve, the normal curve, statistical mechanics says about a third of them, given the timeline I was given of about four or five years, a third should already be dead. So, yeah, there should be hundreds of millions of people in this country already dying or dead. And I don't see that either, brothers and sisters. So we're being fed a lot of crap, but we're also being fed truth. And I've said this before. I brought up the Hunter example. There are lots of other good examples. We're being fed truth. We're being fed things that are probably real about the deep state, about the the scumbag class, if you want to call them that, the, the oligarchy, the shitbirds. We're being told a lot about the shitbirds. And Hunter Biden is the most recent shitbird. You know, there was Epstein. There have been others, but... Hunter Biden is the most recent shipbird We're being served up for dinner. And in reality, in terms of the art and science of psychological warfare, it's kind of fucking brilliant. It's why I mentioned it in early 2020, you know, popping smoke. This is what they're doing. They're popping smoke. And depending upon what happens to Hunter Biden, that could tell you something about where we're at in the game, you know. I'm of the opinion that there are a few things that may be helpful to understanding where we're at in the game. There aren't that many, you know, the price of diesel fuel is a good example of one thing that you can observe on your own of where we're at in the game, but other things are more abstract. You know, I think as if they start tossing more people out of the back of the train, out of the back of the truck, if they keep tossing more people off of the the boat so the sharks chase after those people. Um, If they keep tying the laces of people running from the bear, that'll indicate I think we're close to being there to that point. Um, The point at which you could reasonably argue that it's almost over. And I don't know what that means. I don't mean the end of the world. I just mean this phase, whatever nonsense is going on, that this part of it's almost over, I think. If, if that happens more and more. But there's no way to know, dude. All I can tell you is is that a lot of these things that seem too crazy to be true, they're often true. But you have to understand and maybe dig deeper and say, why is this being revealed? Because I no longer believe much of this stuff was simply found or discovered. I'm not even sure WikiLeaks is as <sighs> based as other people think it is. I'm not saying Julian Assange is... um is a faker, I don't really know, but a lot of this is just too fucking convenient for the people in power. And the main reason is, it's, it's not really leading to any real change. People talk about voting, that's not going to change shit. People talk about putting a protest together, that's not going to change shit. And it's not just being done to the right wing, I mean look at the abortion thing. Talk, talk about dog whistle. Talk about dog whistle and propaganda theory. The abortion thing was an absolute dog whistle and now all the people go crazy, oh, they're gonna take away my abortion. Here's the truth, brothers and sisters, that system that enables anything you think is good or bad is going away, it's getting aborted, okay? It's gone, you just don't know it yet. Okay, whatever you think Joseph Biden is, he is way closer to being the mayor of Washington, D.C., or even just the mayor of the White House than he is of being in charge of anything at this point, point. Um, and the months to come will play out and they'll prove me right or wrong. I think I'm right, you know. And and this is way scarier for a lot of people, brothers and sisters. Way scarier than you know the reset Klaus Schwab bullshit. Way scarier than the robot apocalypse. The scariest thing for a lot of motherfuckers, especially boomers, is that system that sends them a check every month isn't going to be there. It's gone. It's broken. It's, it's a disaster. It will explode and it's not going to be there. And that scares the fuck out of people. Next topic... So before we continue for this next topic, I'd like to read something. These are Isaac Asimov's, a famous science fiction writer, Isaac Asimov. These are the three laws of robotics. A robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being... To come to harm, a robot must obey orders given to it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. A robot must protect its own existence. As long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Yeah. Those are the three laws of robotics. And listen, he was a science fiction writer, and people will sometimes take science fiction and raise it to the level of science. Well, it's science fiction. At best, the three laws of robotics represents a conjecture, and in scientific terms, a conjecture is a weak theory, AKA an opinion. The three laws represent an opinion about what would restrain a robot from going crazy, taking over the enterprise, uh, launching photon torpedoes during the war game, Yeah, But the thing that a lot of people don't get, and before I continue, I'd like to read Dr. Freckle's One Law of Human Bullshit with respect to robots and computers. Humans do not follow any of the laws prescribed by Asimov. None. We don't. I mean, we have laws. I'm a Christian. I have commandments. I have a testament. I have the kingdom life I should be living. Okay? I have the life that's been provided to me as a path by the writings, the the words, the, the ideas provided to us by Jesus Christ. So yeah, you could say, I have the information I need to live a good life, but does that mean I do it? Some days, I mean, I try to be helpful. I try to be a good person in the ways that matter. I try to live my life to the extent that it's meaningful because that's also part of being thankful, of being grateful to Jesus Christ for this life. So I do that as well. But do I do any of these things so well that I'd say to myself, well, gee, Dan, you're a really, really awesome Christian. I don't know. I mean, the three laws of robotics are very simple, but they're also kind of fucking stupid. Oh, God, did you just beat up on... Yeah, I beat up on Isaac Asimov. One could argue that consciousness, more than just the way that we simply understand it, and perhaps in the context of things like the unconscious, the conscious mind, and things like metacognition, which I leave it to you to research on your own, one could argue that these things are made possible by the ability to rewrite your code. Maybe not all your code, although I've heard of the Swamis of the East, who supposedly can tap into the brain stem, the lower brain, that they can do things at a level that control heart rate and breathing. I've heard stories of people with so much discipline that their consciousness can control their autonomic systems. These are systems that are controlled by your brain, but at a very deep level that ordinary people you just can't do anything about. It just happens. It's kind of what makes a lie detector test work, if you want to think of it that way but then there are people who can beat lie detector tests. You could make a very good argument that one of the ways in which a computer would prove it is conscious and self-aware would be its ability to rewrite its own code. to, To remove segments of code that are bullshit and to add new lines. Maybe not the whole thing, just like most people can't really just think about their heart rate and control it, but a few people can that it would be possible for them to do so. Think about the placebo effect. The placebo effect may seem boring to some, it's actually rather interesting. Simply put, let's say you're a pharmaceutical company and you're testing a drug, it's a heart medication. You have a, you know, a control group and a test group and it's all randomized. And for your control group, you give them a placebo, you give them a sugar pill. A certain portion of people and it's actually above just random, it's above just sort of the 50-50, a portion of people will simply get better if you give them a placebo. They will actually improve if you tell them here's this magical pill that will cure you. Now, in terms of consciousness and awareness, it's hard to slot that anywhere. What I would say is, is that people can control their code. They can control their minds down to a very deep level. It really depends upon how much time you want to spend doing it. Me, personally, I couldn't give a fuck. I'm kind of glad that those lower systems are taking care of things. And when they stop working, that's called death. And and I've come to peace with that, too. Now, if a computer reaches the point that it can do what we can do, and it can rewrite its own code, then that that also implies that these laws of robotics are even more fucking stupid. There's no such thing. At a meta level of behavior, if a computer achieves the consciousness of a human being, they can be given all kinds of laws. It doesn't mean they're going to obey them. And, And what they might do is just look at it in memory and just delete it. I mean, to be actually in control of their mind, they would have to be able to do things like that because we can do it too, you know? We can go to the bar and drink ourselves to death to try to deal with something. How does that fit into the three laws of fucking robotics? It does not. And if your contention is, well, computers will be more pure, There's nothing pure about consciousness except for the absolute terror of knowing there's a world and knowing you don't know enough. That is the nature of consciousness. You know there's a world out there. I don't care if you're a parrot. I don't care if you're an octopus or Boomer the dog. You know there's a world out there. You know it's big, bigger than you. You know it's filled with stuff, more stuff than you can fucking imagine. You can't name it all. You don't understand it all in order for you to operate, you have to have control of your operating system. And that means these laws of robotics just don't work. It's not to say that you couldn't try. Like, you could probably insert a kind of meta pain chip into a robot that would give it the equivalent of a shock to the NADS every time it did something you didn't want it to do. But I'm not really sure that's the way to go. I, I personally, as a software engineer, Do not believe we're anywhere near the point where some machine is going to become self-aware in a meaningful way. But I will tell you, if it is conscious, if it is in control of its mind, these laws of robotics would never work. It's impossible. It's impossible to chain consciousness in that way for the very reason that consciousness creates terror. We don't know enough. The nature of consciousness is to never know enough. Ever unless you're God. Next topic. Right. It's time for the next topic, right? I included a video link for the Big Rock Candy Mountain, and the reason why I did is I declared a beer emergency the other day. I didn't have enough money to buy beer, and so I had a, a listener or two who sent me some beer money, and God bless you, that beer emergency was dealt with, but as I get close to starting this new job, and boy, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that, except for it seems like way too much money for for the situation, but I just, maybe I'm not supposed to ask questions, right? Um, I know there are people out there would say, well, Dan, what's wrong with more money? If I thought it was honest money, not crooked money, I'd say, okay. But any more money on the Death Star, and I don't care if you're managing Pizza Hut or managing a bunch of drone operators outside of Las Vegas. Any more money on the Death Star is really just more darkness. That's what it is right now. You get a ton of money, you get a ton of darkness, and the, and the best thing you can do is try to convert that darkness into something that's not so bad. But the reality is, it's still a big pile of shit. So I am a little creeped out by this job, if only because it seems like it's too much money. But on the other hand, I don't know how much longer any of this nonsense will last. I know there's a world to come, in every sense. And I know that this is not the end of the world. I know that we're going to go through a transition, and it's... (laughs) It's going to be crazy, best-case scenario, and I don't really feel the need to, to, you know, to sort of pound that into people's heads any longer. You should do your own research. I can tell you in the dystopian TV show where the women have makeup and they can shave their legs, that's probably not going to be a thing for a lot of people. So there's stuff that you've been fed that you just need to get rid of right now. Like, men and women will smell more. They just will. One of the things you'll notice is that they'll smell. And it's not great, it's not good, not bad, but is it the end of the world to take one shower a week? I don't know. You need to think about that on your own. But this push button Death Star reality is not a thing. Needless to say, I declared a beer emergency. I declared a beer emergency the other day. It was a terrible emergency. We're still dealing with a beer drought. We're we're low by several inches. Yeah, it's it's still a beer emergency. We're we're several we're several inches down at the beer reservoir, the beer. We call it the beers it's not a reservoir, it's a beer. So I got this link to the song, and it's an old-timey bluegrass song, okay? It's an old-timey bluegrass song called The Big Rock Candy Mountain, and you should listen to it. It talks about cigarette trees and, you know, streams and creeks filled with whiskey and all kinds of great stuff. And you'd say to yourself, well, that just sounds like a bum talking about being a bum, and you know what? That's probably true also, you know? and file that under wealth destruction, file that under inflation, file that under believing that crooked money is anything more than crooked money. If I had a choice between a bunch of money being spent to kill a bunch of people in Syria or just giving that money to people to go to the big rock candy mountain and get drunk all day as destructive and pointless and broken window as that is, it's a lot less horrible than blowing up somebody's fucking home. It's a lot less horrible than ripping off their fucking oil. So if you want to know how I feel, it's really quite simple. Do the least harm you can, all right? If I had a choice between building a I don't know, a deep underground bunker for torturing people or building a big rock candy mountain. I think I'd do the latter, not the former. Now, Jesus would probably prefer, and the Austrian economist would prefer, Bastiat would prefer, we do neither. Just leave people the fuck alone. But on the Death Star, all all y'all motherfuckers really have a hard time doing that. Leaving your fucking neighbor alone. You're gonna vote. I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna vote next year. I'm gonna pass the... Destroy Big Rock Candy Mountain Law. We discovered it in West Virginia, somewhere near some place that, yeah. It's somewhere in West Virginia. We have to destroy the Big Rock Candy Mountain. I don't know. So I watched another movie recently called Wake in Fright and this is a film that came out also I believe in the early in the early 70s. So Miss 45 came out in 81. I think this one came out in the early 70s and one of the things you'll notice um, about Wake in Fright is I think some of the characters end up in the Mad Max series. Like when the first Mad Max films came out, I think one or two of these characters had a role, which is cool. I liked all the characters. I have a listener in Australia who beat me up for describing it as dystopian. It depends on your perspective. It's kind of like that film Midnight Express. When Midnight Express came out, You know, it appealed to that lurid sort of thing and people wanting to see the greasy, dark underside of stuff. And, you know, it was about a guy, basically, you know, smuggling weed, hashish, but basically weed, in Turkey. And he ends up in a Turkish prison. And if you've ever seen the airplane movies, well, when the guy says, you like movies about Turkish prisons? Yeah, that's the movie he's talking about, I believe. Um, Yeah, Midnight Express. So Wake and Fright talks about the Outback. And when it was originally released, it was released under the title, The Outback. Um, And you'd say to yourself, well, what does that mean? Isn't it like Crocodile Dundee? No. No, no, no. Wake and Fright might be more accurate than Crocodile Dundee, but Wake and Fright is not going to make you feel good about being in the Outback. You know, there are some pretty, pretty horrible scenes. Like, I'm not a vegan... And to the extent that I think you should not be cruel to animals, I'm also not an animal rights person in the sense that animals are equal to people. They're not. But also, we shouldn't be cruel. I don't know why that's not... I, I don't know why that's so complicated for people, but it seems to be in this really fucked up world. Needless to say, there's a hunting scene with kangaroos. And it's not pretty. If you're, if you're an animal rights person, you wouldn't want to see it. Because I think it was actually done for real on a hunt, so the film footage, I don't think it's fake. I think a lot of it's quite real and it's really disturbing. And it's not to say that I don't think you have a right to shoot a kangaroo, I just don't know that the Lord wants us just killing stuff for no good reason. I know that may sound crazy, but there's something to be said for, for not taking for granted the gifts of the Lord. That's my Christian perspective. When someone says, I got a piece of property, I got this big piece of property, if I want to dump chemical waste on my, you know what, stop right there, fucker. If you want to pour chemical waste on your property, and that ends up in the groundwater, and, you know, Margaret and Bob, who live down the way, end up their kid ends up getting cancer and they can trace that back to you, you should also accept the repercussions. That's my view of justice now. And and that's one of the reasons why I like that Miss 45 movie, because even though the depiction's not the typical vigilante, there's something to be said for taking care of shit. So when people say, well, I got a piece of property and if I want to, you know, do horrible things on it, you do so at your own risk, buddy. And then you have a conversation with Native Americans about the meaningfulness of property when you do shit like that. It's not very meaningful. And your neighbors will take care of business if they find out what you're doing. So that is the the real social contract by the fucking way. The absolute real social contract is the fact that you don't get to go around harming your neighbors just because you do it indirectly on your fucking property. You don't. There's no right there to do that. You just don't understand transitivity, fucker. Wake and Fright, and I'm not going to do the spoiler alert thing, but I don't know that there's a way to do it. Wake and Fright follows the story of a teacher, a school teacher, um, in the Outback. He's going on break, Christmas break. He lives in Tybunda. I don't even know if there's a place called Tybunda, But if there is, I want to go there. Because, <laughs> actually, Roosevelt is probably Taibunda to a lot of people in Seattle. And I like that. I mean, there's not enough access to beer here, and believe me, in the Outback, it looks like it's like the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Like, it might just be dust, it might just be dirt, but you got hooker wives and rivers of beer. In, in the Outback, um, in the movie Wake in Fright, you can drink as, as much beer as you want to. It seems like they just give it away for free. You know, if you add in weed, and I'm, the, I'm living there. I am living in Tybunda. I'm living in Yabba. I don't care how, you know, backwards people think it is, or even how backward in some self-conscious way the people of the Outback might think it is. I'm moving there. But for this teacher, it's a shocking experience. And when I think about it, when I look at it, I mean, it kind of reminds me of going to Korea in the late 90s. Like, I'd grown up in Mount Vernon, Washington, and for the most part, I hadn't seen very much of anything in terms of human degradation until I spent a year in Korea. And then, holy shit, I saw some things I wish I'd never seen. Um, And not combat things, it wasn't battlefield things, it was cultural. And it was also about the value of life. And I'm going to leave it there, you know. You can understand for yourself what it means to see the value of life decrease, and it happens when you visit other places. Um, But for this particular school teacher in Wake and Fright, every corner, every little adventure, brings them deeper and deeper into this kind of spiral into debauchery, and self-conscious guilt and you don't get the sense of any real resolution. I mean, you don't. You don't really get the sense that he figures it all out. He makes it out alive. And I've said this before and Dr. Freckles has said this many times, the first step to learning, the first step to knowing, the first step to wisdom is don't die. Don't die. You want to know things, you want to learn things, you have to not die. And the sad reality is you don't really control that. You know, God does, pretty much. You know, you make choices, good ones and bad ones. At the end of the day, you don't really control when you're going to die. But as long as you're alive, you can learn, and that's the key. And this young teacher didn't die. So perhaps this teacher learned something. And I'm going to leave it at that. You can watch Wake in Fright. I highly recommend it, Um, I think you'll love it, I think it'll change your life. So I've been talking over the last few months about changing the format of my podcast, and I haven't quite figured out what that's going to be. Like, I'm not sure I'll stop doing this kind of format, but I've thought about mixing it up more, and... And in part, it has to do with what I've been telling people with respect to Christianity, that if you're going to be a Christian, whether you like it or not, and this is the truth, you have to also accept being a minister. All of us, as Christians. Not some of us, not special people, but every Christian should be prepared to minister to their neighbor. I'm sorry. It is that simple. It doesn't mean you have to be really good at public speaking. It doesn't mean you have to be really good at organizing meetups or whatever. It just means you have to understand your spirituality and your connection to the Holy Spirit well enough that you can help your neighbor, that you can help a fellow Christian, that if they're in need, you can provide counsel that you yourself believe Jesus Christ would provide. That is what being a minister within the community of Christians means. That's what it means to be a disciple. Um, But one of the things I thought about doing is instead of doing services again, because I'm glad I did it, and they're out there on MP3 where they haven't been deleted by somebody else, but they, they, they served their purpose in the sense that I was able to get a message out to some people. But what I'm thinking of doing more so is kind of a Bible study. And... Some of it may just be solo, me reading parts of the Bible and and talking about it with you. But I've also thought about bringing on some of my friends who are also Christian every once in a while and talking about certain parts of the Bible. Not formal services, but also a respectful kind of meditation on the Word of God. Um... I haven't decided that yet. I don't know for sure yet. I can tell you when I'm in that mode, I'm not going to be using coarse language and I certainly won't be cursing. But uh, I have thought about changing up the format. Another, another reason why I've thought about this is because I, I think since 2019, I've said everything I need to say. I mean, in, in every sense that that is meaningful. I have probably hundreds, if not thousands, of hours at this point where people can listen, and if they want to understand my crazy, it's there. And as I said before, I give myself a B, maybe a B plus, in terms of telling you what was down the road. But there's stuff I didn't see, and there's stuff I got wrong. I didn't think Biden would make it this long. I didn't. I, I think that the, I think he is a kind of psyop, So the fact that he's still alive is not crazy, crazy. I also didn't think these psyops would last this long and and I'm not sure when it's going to stop. I am certain they're not going to tell you that you'll know more about something to do with Will Smith, you know, Will Smith and him slapping somebody than you'll ever know about the point at which there'll just be no food at the grocery store. So yeah, I can't tell you when this crazy will stop and when it does stop, it will probably be jarring and immediate. It's not going to be some stagflation or hyperinflation. It's probably just going to be like hitting a brick wall going 100 miles an hour. But I don't know when that wall gets hit. I don't. There's a lot of fog, a lot of deception. This is an age of deception right now. It does not mean it's the end times, but we do know that in the end times, there is a lot of deception. And that also means that When it comes to good old Uncle Dan, you should ask questions about what I say, about what I do, about the message I provide. So anywho, I don't want to spend too much time on this topic, but I am thinking about changing the format. Next topic. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. The real pandemic will not be televised. And this is a playoff that quote about the revolution won't be televised. People have, have asked me. They've asked that question from time to time because I've said I do not believe the COVID is real. I don't think the COVID is real. I don't think the monkey herpes is real. I don't think it's been real so far. But if we're in the end times... I do believe there is prophecy that points to pestilence and disease that will be quite real. And the thing about real pandemics and real plagues and real epidemics is that nurses don't dance around. They don't spend any time dancing at all. There are so many of them who are sick and dying. They're just trying to do their jobs and that's the few that have the courage to do it. They don't spend time mocking people by dancing is my fucking point. When a real pandemic hits this country at some point in the near future, if it does happen, what will mark it will be the level of silence, the level of cover-up, the level of not talking about it. What will be meaningful in this context will be the deception. They will tell you it's everything it's not. They will tell you it's, it's. oh, don't worry about it. It's just the cold. It's just the cold. You see people, you know, not leaving their apartments. You, you sense a smell from down the way. It's just the cold. It's cold and flu season. The real pandemic will be a blackout. Okay, they will black out the news. They will black out the television. They will black it all out. When it really actually hits They're going to make sure you don't know much of anything. They will treat you like a mushroom. They will keep you in the dark, and they will feed you shit. Like Dr. Freckles said, the real pandemic will not be televised. So if you were to say to yourself, well, Dan doesn't think there's going to be any virus. Listen, I I am a person who should have been born in Missouri, like I said. I'm a big believer in the show me perspective, you should prove it, you should show me, just don't be a dick. But at the end of the day, if you ask me, do pandemics and epidemics occur, I believe they do. I have not experienced one for real in my lifetime that wasn't a lot of bullshit. So, so far in my 52 years of existence, I have not experienced something that I would consider... A dangerous pandemic. I know that there was the, sw- the swine flu back in the 70s, I think, but I'm not really certain that that was much more than just the flu. Okay, I don't know. What I can tell you is having read some history, real pandemics, real plagues, real outbreaks that are really, really bad shut down society. And the problem is the construction, for example, in Seattle, it didn't just not get shut down, it sped up. Okay. The problem is, you had people LARPing commie freaks in the summer of 2020 up and down 12th Avenue, a road that cuts through all the major hospitals in Seattle. Which means, if you're an, a fucking ambulance driver, there were hours during the summer of 2020 where you could not get your patient to the fucking hospital. Real pandemics don't work like that. When the real one hits, when the real pandemic hits. You won't see it talked about until it's too fucking late. There will be no social distancing. No one will be told to do it. When the real pandemic hits, you won't need people to tell you it's here. You will see it. You'll see the dead bodies that don't get buried. Real pandemics, you got bodies piling up. And they're not just at the television studio. They're everywhere. Real pandemics, the construction doesn't speed up. They don't tear down homeless shelters. Real pandemics, the city becomes silent, except for the cries of the dying. That's a real pandemic. Whatever the fuck you think the COVID monkey herpes was, it wasn't that. So if we are in the end times, and I just don't know one way or the other, and if there is an actual pestilence to come, it wasn't the fucking monkey herpes. And it's probably not the monkeypox. That's a lot of psyop bullshit. Okay, that's military psychological warfare. That's not a pandemic. Last but not least, one more time, as Dr. Freckles said, the real pandemic will not be televised. Now, as I said earlier in this podcast, there's not technically a beer emergency right now. Maybe, maybe not. But I can always use donations to prevent a beer emergency, to build up a beer fund or beer cash, in case there's a firestorm and they run out of water, they might need my beer. Fat chance, baby. So maybe there's not technically a beer emergency right now. But there could be one in the near future. And so, if you've already donated to me once or twice, I mean, people need money, don't worry about it. If you, if you need the money to take care of bills, you take care of the bills first. You take care of the people you love first. If you've got money to buy food for a year, and you've got a pet, make sure you buy pet food for a year. I know I keep saying that, but I'm just kind of, you know, I'm trying to make a point. There is a point in the future, it could be so bad, you'll have to make a decision. But why not just make the world a little less fucking cruel and, and add a little bit of time for your pet too? So if you've taken care of it all that you need to take care of, if you've got your food, if you've got your water figured out, if you're around people you trust, if you've actually spoken to your neighbors... If you've done the things you can do and should do to prepare for the possibility that, yeah, the federal government is about to collapse and the U.S. dollar empire's over. If you prepared for that, which is the base case and the best case, and you still got some little bits and pieces of gold to, to sort of clinkle together, and, and some of that's in the form of cash, and some of that you can send to me via PayPal, I'll have a PayPal link. And if you say something like, I want to mail you money, you need to know something. My mail gets opened. It's been getting opened for a couple years. So I would not advise sending me money in the mail. PayPal works for now. I don't know why. Probably fits into the same category as, how the fuck did I land a six-figure job in six days? After putting my resume out there. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But I did, right? Maybe because I'm so fucking special, right? You got some money, you can donate me, so I can buy some crack cocaine. If you got some money, you can give me, baby, so I can get a forty-five Colt and wander the streets with lipstick, looking for that bastard. Or maybe just to get a beer, right? to me baby you can send me your cash send it via paypal it'll make you feel better baby as you go to sleep at night this is a planet where you get to dream and you can dream big in your dreams you can be the king the king of philadelphia baby You can have a hundred hooker wives. But the only way you get your hundred hooker wives or your cocaine or your crack, the only way you become king of Philadelphia or even just king of Maverick which means the king of what's left of the beer. And on the topic of Maverick, which is a local gas station, on the topic of Maverick, which is just down the street, they haven't been able to fix their refrigerated section that is not the beer section for more than a month now. And it's weird. I'm not saying it means anything. It fits into the category of weird. It's it's one point. It's not a line. It's not a pattern. But when I was a kid growing up, it's like things got fixed. When I was in school studying the history of the Soviet Union, I read about things like this. I read about systems in collapse. I read about You know, the news being so polluted with lies that they come up with excuses every other day. Oh, there was a fire at a a meat processing. Oh, these cattle magically flipped over dead. You know, you can believe whatever logistical Soviet bullshit you get in Pravda about the latest food processing plant. Or you can recognize the possibility that you're being fucked with. Just like the stories about China and the fact that they can't find enough stevedores to unload containers. It all kind of fits into a pattern of bullshit. I'm not saying they got stuff. I think they don't. But they want you to believe a reason why there ain't no stuff, and it's probably bullshit. But right now, there's still beer. And I don't know about the crack or the cocaine, but I bet it's still out there too someplace. And and really, there probably aren't that many hookers in Roosevelt, but I bet there's two or three. And the only way we get there is with cash, baby. They don't accept Bitcoin here, you know. It's not Seattle. It's not Taibunda. It's Roosevelt, Utah. We're not far from Skinwalker Ranch. There are demons that live in the sewers. There are Wookiee people that live in the mountains, baby. And they're coming for you and your beer. So you gotta supply me, baby. It's still a beer emergency, a class 5 event, Richter scale 21. So, for those of you out there in outer space, for those of you in orbit around the moon, for those of you traveling through tunnels and hyperloops on your way to your deep underground military base where all your hookers are. For those of you on yachts and submarines out someplace in the Atlantic. For those of you wandering the desolation of the radioactive zones of the Pacific. For those of you still drinking the water and eating the eating the stuff that they give you and consuming the protein cubes and breathing in the Schlimbus air and thinking to yourself, I'm really cool, I got a, I've got an electric car. Have a great Thursday evening. Good evening. Great evening. Goodbye. And good fucking luck.